going to read and we're just going to take a couple minutes and use it as a meditation in preparation for prayer as well as God's word being declared over us this morning. Direct your attention to Psalm 119. We'll be looking, reading aloud verses 9 through 16. This is God's word. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts, fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I want to ask you guys a question this morning. How do you go about strengthening your faith? How do you go about strengthening your faith? Now this seems to be one of those perennial questions that we as Christians ask often. In fact, I'd like to submit to you that whether it's a book, an article, or a blog post, it never seems to go out of style on how to answer this question. In, in fact, if you were to go online, you could find all sorts of posts like this. There's three of them. I'll pull real quick. Five things to strengthen your faith. Ten steps to be a better Christian. Or do these things and you will be closer to God. Yes, these are in both titles for the day. And if you're going to write a blog post, you have to give a number and you have to promise success. At least that's what it seems like. And yet before we roll our eyes too hard at such titles, we find in this portion of the psalm before us this morning, this morning the psalmist was a man ahead of his time. For here, the psalmist gives us several reasons, listen to me, several reasons to meditate on God's Word. And he lists them all for us for our benefit. Now I want to remind you that the success of our faith as Christians is found in Christ alone. Yet, we are thinking here about gifts and graces that He has given to the church that, that the Lord has provided for His people to encourage and to strengthen our faith. Now, what I want to do first is I, I want to take a moment. I want us to think about the nature of this psalm for a moment. It's such a short psalm, so we should be able to run through it fairly quickly. That did not get anything. It's the longest psalm in all the Bible. It's 176 verses. It's actually the longest chapter in, in all of the Bible. Okay, It's broken up into 22 stanzas in sections of 8. And you can tell, it, if you look at the little headings, those are uh, that's the Hebrew alphabet. This is beautifully structured. Okay, So you see this acrostic poem. Okay? Now... This is one of three Torah psalms. So when I say Torah, think of the law. Think about 
the Word and His commandments and His statutes, okay? There's three of them. Psalm 1, Psalm 19, and this one, Psalm 119. Now what's unique about the Torah Psalms is that they're tethered. I'm going to use a military uh, concept, okay? They're tethered together with a Messianic Psalm. And we know that the Messiah is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the New Testament declares Christ being the fulfilled Messiah in and quotes out of those three Messianic Psalms. And so, obviously, if we've got Psalm 1 is a Torah Psalm, Psalm 2 is our tethered Messianic Psalm, okay? With Psalm 19, we have married together is Psalm 18. That's our Messianic Psalm. And then with 119 is 118. And so this, is, this helps us in regards to our hermeneutics as we interpret the Scriptures. And, and I want to submit to you, in particular for us this morning, we, we should be mindful that our obedience to God's law is in light of Christ's perfect obedience on our behalf. The connection is to show us how the law of God is connected very closely to the Anointed One, the Christ, the Messiah. But once we are in Christ, and obviously we are, I'm talking primarily to you, those within the covenant community, once we are in Christ, we are to obey, listen to me, this can be hard to take sometimes, but it's in our confession, it's actually in our catechism as well. Our obedience is gospel obedience in light of the work of Christ. And so I want to talk really, really quickly about the nature of the law as we're getting into this. If you are an unbeliever, the nature of the law either does one of two things. It either condemns you or it commends you. And it does so how? Whether or not you can obey the law perfectly. Okay, so that's for the unbeliever. That's the relationship of the law. Who has obeyed outside of Christ the law of God perfectly? From the moment that you are born until the time that you die, you have to obey the law absolutely perfectly if you want to be commended by it. The whole issue is the issue of righteousness. How can we approach a holy God? You have to be righteous. And if you're going to come to the Lord by way of the law, you have to honor it perfectly. We know that we can. And so our federal head, the Lord Jesus Christ, has fulfilled that force. Now, so what's the relationship of the law in regards to the believer? Well, it doesn't commend um, or condemn us. It does neither. That's not the relationship because we know that our commendation is found in the person and work of Christ. So now... It directs and it guides us. Our relationship to law, though, is still present. The law is active. It is good. It is holy. It is righteous. It doesn't serve and it has never served the purpose of bringing salvation to anyone. Everybody understand that, right? Now, the reason this is important, because this is, once again, for our benefit, and the law in this case, is for us to obey. I'd like to suggest commitment or a focused meditation 
is really what the emphasis of this section of the law is about. Look at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a, a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Brothers and sisters, now the, the, the immediate context is a young man for, for youth, but the, the broader context is for all of us. And I want to remind you that our default pattern, our default pattern is that we are already conformed to the pattern of this world, meaning that we need our minds renewed. We need the renewing of our minds that we can keep our lives pure in a practical sense. For going to guard our minds and hearts, we need a focused meditation on God's Word. And I want to submit to you that we need to entrench ourselves with God's Word so that we may walk in gospel obedience. In order to live in the light of the Lord's will, we must know the Lord's will. So, why do we meditate on God's Word? Well, it's to keep ourselves pure. Obviously, this is a practical, practical sanctification in light of the work of Christ. Okay? No, verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Storing up God's word in our heart is a guardrail against sin. And in order to do this, brothers and sisters, this takes time. This takes focus. It takes attention to God's word. We live in a day and age where we are constantly interrupted by this little machine right here. And so when it comes to focused attention, it can be difficult. And yet that is what is required of us. God's Word informs us of what sin actually is and how to guard against the wiles of the enemy. The psalmist instructs us by showing us how to practically apply all of this to our lives. Now, I could break all of this down, and it would be an hour sermon, and I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to say, I'm going to do three things. You're going to walk away with remembering three things. Everybody got it? Here's three admonitions. Diligent memorization, declaration, and delight. I think we could do that, right? Diligent memorization, and I'm going to give a caveat, okay, in context. Diligent memorization in its context, declaration, and delight. Let's look at diligent memorization. Verse 11, once again, I have stored up your word in my heart. Like I mentioned, in a world often entangled in distractions and fleeting desires, cultivating a habit of diligent memorization is paramount. Memorization is more than memorization. I grew up in another movement. A lot of you guys know that. And we actually memorized a lot of Bible. But we didn't know what it meant. And so a lot of it was used out of context. Okay, Now, I'm not going to be hard and fast on this in regards to just memorizing. But how do you store something in your heart if you don't know? And, and really, that's the point. You need to store God's Word in your heart so that you may know the will of God for your life. So this involves diligent and deliberate, deliberate meditation. And that really is the point. Being deliberate and being diligent, allowing God's Word to shape our hearts, our minds, and our actions. Now, for us, we have the means of grace. That's the public reading of Scripture. 
We have the proclaimed word. We have the means of grace in, in baptism, in the Lord's table. These are important things, and these are all within the gathered saints. And so we have ways in which we can help bring things to our remembrance in regards to the public reading of Scripture, to remember and recall the word that has been proclaimed by our elders. So I'd like to submit to you that diligent memorization of God's commandment is a safeguard. It safeguards us from shame by aligning our lives with His divine will. i got to hurry. He's the one preaching, not me. Okay. As we commit ourselves to meditate on His precepts day and night, we find guidance and we find strength in the face of life's challenges. I do want to submit to you that diligent memorization helps us treasure His Word in our hearts. And it does warn us from sinning against Him. It nurtures a mature dependence upon God as we ponder and we marvel at His statutes. Well, let's embrace the call to store up His Word in our hearts that we might not sin against Him. Second, and this will be brief, declaration. Declaration. In fact, we can see a couple here in regards to declaration. Um, he says this in verse 10. He says, With my whole heart I seek you. That's a declaration. And then here it turns into a prayer, doesn't it? Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 13 actually says, declare. He says, With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Through our words we declare God's righteousness. We declare His ways and His salvation. And so I want to submit to you, sometimes you have to preach to yourself. May our lips be filled with the declaration that exalts and glorifies the Lord. We have to remind ourselves by declaring the things of God. And we can do it over our children. We can, and for me, I take declaration not just to be just that outward, but I believe that we direct those with prayer. And we declare those things towards the Lord. And finally, I would like for us to consider delight. As you're thinking upon God's Word, His law, let's think about delight. Look at verse 16. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your Word. Brothers and sisters, we know that the Scriptures are not merely a collection of ancient texts. But they are the inspired and authoritative Word of our God. We understand that God's statutes are not restrictive burdens, but they are gracious guidelines that lead us into a life of obedient faith and blessing in light of the Lord. And therefore, the, the psalmist's declaration to delight in His statutes resonates deeply with our Reformed theology to delight in God's statutes means to recognize their beauty, to recognize their wisdom, to store them up in our hearts and to align our lives according to these principles. It involves seeking joy, satisfaction in living in accordance with God's commands rather than pursuing worldly pleasures that are fleeting, that are empty, that mean absolutely nothing. Finally, the psalmist resolved to not forget his word. 
reflects the Reformed emphasis on the perseverance of the saints. Have you ever thought about that? It's a commitment to remain steadfast in the study as well as the application of God's Word, recognizing that it is the source of spiritual nourishment. And once again, I will come back to the means of grace. The, the Word publicly proclaimed, the Word publicly read, these things that have been provided for our nourishment. So the psalmist invites us to cultivate a deep love for God's statutes. To commit ourselves to live in accordance with them. I'm going to remind you once again, in Christ. Our commitment to the Word in Christ. It calls us to cherish God's Word and to rely on Christ as our steadfast anchor amidst the changing tides of of life. May we, like the psalmist men, find joy and fulfillment in delighting in God's statutes. May we never forget the precious truths that are contained in His Word. Primarily that Christ's work in us provides an eternal work of glory. This means that we cannot boast in any of our efforts, not even in memorization, not in our diligence, but in the diligence of the work of Christ and reminding ourselves of that. Christ has provided us with all that we need. 